Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com Welcome back to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach Christopher McCullough. Thank you, Dick Warren. All right, as promised, uh, I want to talk to you about one of our longtime sponsors, actually our longest-term sponsor of this here program. As you may know, The Coaching Show, this podcast has been brought to you each and every week for the last 16 years. Yes, I'm that old. And um, we we do it to educate you, to entertain you, to sort of get you in the knowledge, especially if you're not attending these organizations or meetings or keynote speeches or whatever regularly. We want to get you, you know, some information while you're like doing the dishes or whatever you're doing while you're listening to us. And the company that has supported us all these years is Accomplishment Coaching. Now, if you're like me, well, you know, we've got problems. God but if bless you. Yeah, but if you are, when you go out and look for something, you're looking for the world's finest. You're looking, when you go out to look for coach training, for example, you're looking for the Harvard, the Oxford, the Stanford, whatever you think of as the highest level of coach training is for you. It's not for everybody, right? There are the world's largest, there are the cheapest, there are the quickest, there are all sorts of those. But if you're interested in the world's finest coach training program designed to be that from the beginning for, I don't know, 20 years at this point, check out Accomplishment Coaching at AccomplishmentCoaching.com. I know Clarice and I are huge fans. Clarice, uh, what are some of your favorite things about Accomplishment Coaching and the training they do for coaches and leaders? Um, I, I chose the training program because it's stretched out over a year. So it's a year of training. They meet every month for about 16 hours. You get your own coach every week for the entire year span. You have a team. It's like every weekend there's different themes. You're working out, you know, relationship or money or whatever the theme is every month. And so you're getting a chance to like clean out the closet of your own Mm. world so as to better support people with the same story or the same things. And so that really stood out for me. It's in person. It's over a year. You get all this training. You get a ton of tools. Mm -hmm a ton of tools, and it's accredited by the International Coach Federation. So, right. So it's a grease slide to your credential, assuming yeah, you absolutely. do all the stuff. Yeah. And I think, too, that it's really important since, since there isn't very much standardization in coaching in the United States to mm-hmm. have that. And, and that in itself is amazing. So It's true. It's, yeah. Also, also, I love you get your own coach for an entire year. Mm-hmm. It's not like go out and find a coach, hire a coach, or don't be coached. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a coach, you should have a coach. That's my stand on the matter. Anyway, Accomplishment Coaching, check it out. You can also go and visit. Check this out. You can visit their coach training program in process. It's not a sales pitch. It's not a prepared thing. You can actually watch them do the work. Uh, it's available in six cities across North America. Let's see if we can name them. San Diego, Seattle, Washington, where I just was, uh, Victoria, B.C., Chicago, Illinois, New York City, and our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. God knows people can use coaching there. All right, uh, so if you're near or going to be near any of those places, go check it out. Check it out online, and you can find uh, the times and locations of the observation opportunities, or just throw yourself in the world's finest coach training program from Accomplishment Coaching at AccomplishmentCoaching.com. All right, we're continuing in our conversation with Rohit. I was going to tell you about my trip to... Seattle, but we'll have to to talk another time because Rohit Bhargava is an extraordinary guest for us and an incredible man, a leading authority on marketing, trends, 
and innovation. He's a big deal. We talked about some of his accomplishments uh, before, but one of them is he's a Wall Street Journal bestselling author of five books on a wide range of topics. One of them that uh, captures my my attention immediately is titled Always Eat Left-Handed, 15 Surprising Secrets for Killing It at Work and in Real Life. Go ahead. I, know I, I want to know some of the secrets. Like, uh, Rohit, are you open to sharing some of the secrets with our listeners from this book? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think uh, I should probably start with why the title. Um, yes, I also and, that too. Uh, like confession, which is um, I'm not actually left-handed. And that's kind oh. of part of the story of the title. Um, because uh, for me, uh, you know, I used to have to go to a lot of networking events. And like many people, uh, it was not my favorite thing to do. Uh, to be on, so to speak, um, and have to go and meet random people and mm-hmm. kind of be one of those outgoing, randomly introduce yourself to people type of guys. It's not my usual personality. I mean, I'm generally outgoing, but it's still not a comfortable thing to do. And I remember uh, several years ago that I was at a networking event, and in order to shake hands a little more easily, because it gets kind of messy if you're eating and then you know shaking hands, uh, I started eating left-handed. And what ended up happening was because I started eating left-handed, I found that my attention was more on other people. I became more approachable. Um, I started looking for conversations instead of actively avoiding them. And that little change helped me to rethink how I was um, approaching these networking events. And so I wanted to write a book about these little things that we can all choose to do slightly differently that can make a big impact in our lives such as eating left-handed, even if you're not left-handed. And so the book is filled with like tips like that. Great. So practical, useful, like right away today. Um, are you willing, exactly. you willing to give us another one? I know that that, that only leaves 13 left, but. <laughs> <laughs> teasers, yeah, of course. Teasers. I mean, uh, this is one. So they're very, um, the tone of the book is very irreverent. It's meant to be like the sort of things that a uh, quirky, um, a 40-something professor would tell you uh, who's not old enough to be your parents but is kind of too old to be your older brother, <laughs> you know, like, which is kind of my, my category. That's where I sit, right? <laughs> um, and so one of them was start smoking. What? And um, the reason why I had a chapter called Start Smoking is because uh, when I was 23, I moved to Australia uh, without a job, without any friends there, just an adventure. Mm. and um, I had to find a job, which I eventually found, but I still didn't know anyone. And in that culture, I found that a lot of people were going out and taking smoking breaks. Mm-hmm. And so, and that was a great time to meet people. Uh, so for three weeks or so, I started smoking, just so I would be able to go on smoking breaks and hang out with people. Nice. And also, you get more breaks? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and you get more breaks, exactly. Um, now, you know, I, I quit almost you know, immediately right after that, I never really became addicted to smoking. And I know that is not sometimes what other people, um, you know, that's not the result other people get. Correct. But for me, it was this idea of like, I knew at that time, like that smoking is not good for you. It's not like I was doing something and I'm like, oh, nobody knew (laughs) this could be bad. No, it wasn't that. Um, I knew it wasn't going to be the healthiest thing, but I also knew that I was more interested in meeting people and smoking was the way to get into the club, so to speak. Yeah. And so the tip there was like, you know, sometimes you're going to go in a certain direction and like try something different that you would think you would try, but then it turns into something, something else. Um, and that was kind of the, 
the story or the lesson. So each one of these, like, the 15 things is basically a story along mm-hmm. with a lesson that's somehow wrapped into it, and then there's a bunch of tips for how to, how to use it. I like that. That's really cool. I'm super anti-smoking, so I'm a little resistant to it, but I like the idea. <laughs> I, I there was another like... one that, um, that I wrote about, which um, there's some chapters where if you just read the chapter titles, it would be very confused. Got it. Um, you need the story behind it. So there's mm. another chapter um, called Be a Crossdresser. Wow. And, I already um, love this That one was so all much. about, yeah, that one is like, wait, what? <laughs> Um, and that one was inspired by a story of a guy who started a, uh, a march in support of breast cancer. Mm. And he wanted more men to have uh, empathy for women who are going through breast cancer and, and show their solidarity. And so the whole march, all of the men who participate wear high heel red shoes. Wow. And march yeah. for a mile. And they're literally walking in her shoes mm-hmm. um, to demonstrate empathy. And it's kind of a funny thing to see, right? All these. You know, big guys wearing red high heels walking down the road. So, of course, they get media attention for that, too. Mm. But it, for me, it was this powerful idea that sometimes in order to, like, have empathy, you have to take mm. that next step, right? You have to put yourself into someone else's, in this case, literally someone else's shoes. That's so cool. Um, I don't think I would ever do it. But I was cool. just waiting <laughs> for you to be like, well, I'd be willing to try that. I'm not going to happen, no. <laughs> um, one of the things that uh, you talk about a lot these days is the, you know, we talked about a true thing earlier in the mm-hmm. segment, but um, clearly there's what I think you call a believability crisis. It's not only yes. political, but it, but it's affecting, you say, every organization in every industry. Say more about that and what, what, do, what do you have for us about that? So the believability crisis was based on all this research I was doing uh, that was pointing to the same uh, sad truth, which is that it's harder to be trusted today than ever before because you don't get the benefit of the doubt. People have a lot of information at their fingertips, and when they see all these things that are out there, and it makes them question what is uh, worth trusting. Mm. And that's the environment that we all walk into. So, you know, it's easy for us to think, okay, well, I'm not selling breakfast cereal or, you know, I'm not part of the media. And so this doesn't really affect me. Uh, But the same person who you're about to go and talk to about uh, helping them in their lives or giving them your coaching services, like this is the media environment that they are in. And so the challenge for all of us is if we are in this believability crisis, if we're in this Days where it's harder to be trustworthy, then what do we do? How do we respond to that, right? So one of the things that I talk a lot about is the value of uh, what I call unexpected honesty. And you know, we all know honesty is a good thing, um, but unexpected honesty is that moment when you tell someone something you didn't have to tell them. Uh, they didn't expect you to tell them. You volunteered some piece of information that all of a sudden gave them a sense of, oh, well, they didn't have to tell me that. Why, did, why would they tell me that? That doesn't help them. That helps me. Hmm. But in that moment, what happens in your brain is you start thinking, wait, maybe this person isn't just trying to sell me something. Maybe this person isn't trying to just manipulate me to believe one thing. Maybe they're actually trying to give me value. That's really great. Um, let's talk more about social media. You've got a lot of advice and um what to do's and what not to do's about social media. What do you see from both the trends and what are you telling your clients 
uh, to do with social media? Should we all have our, you know, big three, a Facebook, a LinkedIn, a Instagram account, Twitter account, I guess, big four now? Or is it a waste of our time? Um, <laughs> uh, yes, to both. Um, <laughs> it could be a huge waste of time. Um, and, uh, and I am one of these guys that's kind of come sort of full circle on social media. I mean, I used to be uh, of the opinion that, like, you have to be on social media. Like, what's mm-hmm. wrong with you if you're not on social media? You're, like, wasting your life, right? You're wasting your opportunity. Um, and then I just saw, like, there's so many situations where um, it becomes kind of a... a either a time suck or a graveyard. Um, and by graveyard, I mean you put something there and you're paying attention to it for a week and then you forget about it for six months. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, it's it's worse to have something that is out there that is so outdated because what it's illustrating to someone is you don't care enough to update something. It's kind of like that moment, I don't know if you guys have this, I do, but I'm kind of a digital guy. When you go to a website and you scroll all the way to the bottom and you see that little copyright message and it says copyright 2016. Right. And you're like, oh, man, you haven't updated this in 2016? Come on. Oh, man, that's not Um, even something that was on my radar, darn it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I mean, it's these little signals, right? Because that's what people are are, are looking at. And so um, the challenge with social media is it's this, East once you create it, and then you got to keep feeding it. Mm. Um, and so there's a couple of strategies there. I mean, one is uh, be strategic about what you do go on to and realistic about where you actually want to post things and where you want to communicate with people. And the other is something that I don't think we generally appreciate often enough, which is treat some of these social media platforms like an archive. Hmm. And so, to give you an example, I mean, one of the things I did when Always Eat Left Handed came out is I created a Twitter account. Used it for a little while. Um, but then, you know, I have my own Twitter account. I don't want to have to manage two Twitter accounts. Right. So then I posted a message on the book Twitter account saying, um, basically in the voice, as if the book was speaking. And it said something along the lines of, uh, the book is out. I've said everything I want to say. If you want to hear more follow Rohit, at Rohit Bargava, which is my Twitter handle. He clearly has more time than I do. <laughs> nice. And that was it. Like, that was the message from the book, and now it's an archive, and I haven't updated it in, you know, two years, and it's fine. I kind of right? love I that. I mean, as long as you're clear about the promise you're making to somebody, yeah. um, it's okay. I, I kind of love that, because you're right. Then it becomes like... Because, you know, a lot of us are familiar with authors, and I'm thinking of one in particular that I won't name, where, you know, his work actually changed dramatically over the course of his 25 years of writing. But, you know, you're right, it becomes like, but didn't you say something different 15 years ago in this book, and which one is right, and like that. Whereas if you give each period of your life or your work its own sort of storehouse, then people can deal with the changes by either coming to you directly or by going back and reviewing the material, but you don't have to sort of keep rehashing and justifying and explaining the difference as an author, as you progress. Are you finding that you are progressing in the work that you do? In other words, uh, was the, were the trends and, and work even two or three years ago similar to the work that you're doing now, or is it dramatically different? It has progressed, yeah. Um, so the first couple of years of the trend uh, report, it was very marketing and social media heavy. Um, probably about year four is when I introduced the categories, and it started being broader. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also wasn't a full-length book until uh, the 
fifth year. Uh, before that, it was an online report, so it was like a trend report. Mm. It was published as a presentation, and then there was a companion ebook. So it's been in print form for the last four years, uh, half of the time that it's been out. So it's evolved in that way. And then this year, uh, there's been a bunch of updates. So we totally revamped the interior for the 2018 edition. Uh, there's color on the inside, which there wasn't before. There's more images. Uh, and I think, I mean, if I can hopefully relatively objectively say this, the, the writing's gotten tighter. I mean, the first versions I was kind of writing and scrambling around, and then I had some help. And in the 2018 edition, I had a panel of a bunch of different people. I had three editors. I had three proofreaders. I mean, it was, like, um, much tighter uh, from an editorial point of view in terms of how these things were written and shared. So the 2018 is definitely, I mean, everybody says, the latest one's the best yet, right? But yeah, I could sort of, I mean, anybody who's seen the previous versions and then seen the latest one, I think they'll see a difference. Nice. So I'm kind of curious. I, I haven't read the book personally. Are there any future trends or do you know of any future trends in coaching that you'd be willing to share with us? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of them do relate to coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one, for example, uh, that I wrote about um, called Virtual Empathy. And virtual empathy uh, is actually, it's interesting because sometimes what I'll do is I'll take a trend, I'll write about it, and then a couple of years later, I'll actually bring it back. Mm. Um, and one of the reasons why I started doing that, and I only started doing it three years ago, is because some of these trends were so um, universal and were accelerating to a point where it was like, okay, something's changed slightly, but it's become even more important. And so I want to bring it back and write about it even more. So when I first wrote about virtual empathy, like four years ago, it was all about like, oh, you can put on these awesome virtual reality headsets and you can see what it's like to be a prisoner in solitary confinement. And so you can kind of understand what it's like to be in prison. And that's one form of empathy. And it's pretty cool if you've ever done that, you know, or done anything like that. But then more recently, there's been all of these like examples of activities that are experiential that you can do to have more empathy for others who are not like you. So, for example, um, there were these things called pollution pods in the UK. I don't know if you saw this story like a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It was basically an art exhibit where an artist created, recreated the air of like New Delhi with all the pollution. Wow. And you could walk into a pod and you could breathe that air. So you see what that air is like, just the regular air there. And they did the same thing for the air of Beijing. And they had a bunch of different pods. And then they had the opposite, which was like this pristine island in Norway. Um, and so you could breathe that air. And what was really interesting about it is these pods were organized in kind of a circle, and they were all connected because mm. the Earth is connected. So the polluted air of New Delhi was not totally separate from the beautiful air of Norway because, you know, stuff moves just like mm. the Earth. And it was a really powerful way of, like, giving you a sense of, like, this is what the air is like. This is what people are living with right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really powerful because for a coach, like to be able to get into the mind of the person that you're trying to help and their situation, I think a lot of times what what coaches will will do um, is they'll seek out people who are in a similar situation to themselves, right? So if they happen to be divorced, they might start working with people who are divorced Mm -hmm. um, because that's what they understand, right? Um, And so they feel a connection. And the real challenge, I think, as a coach is how do you coach someone who's not like you? How do you coach someone who's different? How do you empathize with them? Uh, either they're a different gender, they're a different age, they have a different situation. 
you know, that's um, a real skill. It's really a great reminder to us all. And I love that, that um, exhibit or that, that's just brilliant. What, um, what trends are you watching or interested in these days? Anything in, anything in particular that's really got your attention or that you're looking for your 2019 trends or is it too early? Um, there are a bunch of things that I'm kind of tracking, but it's too early to kind of know what those are because the way the process works, I usually end up with kind of 70 or 80 possible mm-hmm. trend topics. And then there's this whole process of like organizing and going, you know, narrowing it down. And I actually created a time lapse video just to show what this method looks like because people will always ask me, like, what, does, what does this look like? So that's actually on my website. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the, oh, give, you what it looks like? give us the URL. Please. Yeah, so the the URL of the of the full website is uh, just rohitbargava.com. We should spell um, spell that. A, we should spell that for people. Yeah, R O H I T, and then B H A R G A V A. Everybody got that? B H A R G A V A. Got it. Okay. Dot com. Right. Thanks. Uh, yeah, and then there's a video section. It's in the video section. Um, so you know that was kind of how I brought it to, uh, to life, but there's. There's a bunch of these uh, trends that um, that have really been uh, like there's one trend that has been really uh, important for many companies to start thinking about, and I called it disruptive distribution. And it was all about this idea that the way that we sell the things that we sell, whether they're products or services, uh, is dramatically changing. So you think about like cars, for example, and how Volvo is trying out a subscription model where right. instead of buying a car or leasing a car, you pay 600 bucks a month for access to a Volvo car and insurance. Isn't that amazing? And you can occasionally change your car, right? right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, think about just the, you know, and, and we've already seen that. I mean, anybody who subscribes to uh, like Microsoft products or Adobe products, I mean, you used to buy those CDs, right? That's right. I have some um, of those. And now in you case... pay every month. Yeah. Um, and that's already like a form of disruptive distribution because they're changing the way that they're distributing software. So we see lots of signs of this. We may or may not notice them, um, but there's lots of signs of this idea that, that the way that we're selling these things that we sell uh, is changing. And so how do we, as coaches, think about that? Because especially for the coaches who've been doing this for a while, their process of selling coaching services is probably pretty similar to what it was. And starting to rethink that and saying, well, what's the decision process? Well, how do they find out about me? Is it all referral-based? Is it not anymore? That's a valuable thing to start to think about. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've got all my eggs in that basket. Uh, you know, that referral is going to continue and that people continue for personal services to go to other people and say, hey, who do you use for your, you know, dentistry or in optometry and dry cleaning? Um uh, can we assume, Rohit, that the trend towards people moving into cities and that cities being more multi-layered with you know retail on the bottom and, and multi-use and then living on the top is going to continue? Or is, are you seeing some movement to the suburbs or, or the exurbs? I think it goes region, region by region. I mean, there are, there are many places where, yeah, the, the um, influx is to the city. Um, but then you think about I mean, even the D.C. area where I live, um, there's these huge communities that used to be suburbs, places like Arlington or Tyson's Corner or Bethesda. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that are now kind of becoming little forms of cities on their own. And the amount of, of construction in terms of places to live in these micro cities around a major city, um, that is continually happening in many places as well. Gotcha. Um, we're down to our last minute or so, and as is our custom, we want to give it all to you. What would you like to give us as a, as a takeaway or a parting thought or a parting shot today? Uh, I just think, um, for me, this is a line in my brand, but I think the world needs more non-obvious thinking. Like I think that we just, in general, tend to think and say the same things that everyone else says. And so there's no distinguishing factor between what we say and what someone else says. And one of the things I want people to do is think in non-obvious ways. Think about something that no one else is thinking about. Be different. Be innovative. And hopefully some of the things that I've put out there help you to do that. Beautiful. I love that so much. Thank you so much. That's Rohit Bhargava. That's another edition of The Coaching Show. We'll talk to you next week. Nowadays, Internet devices are an integral part of your home. Everyone in your family has a smartphone, tablet, or a computer. Life is easier knowing that all your devices are secured and your family can surf the Internet carefree. ESET Multi-Device Security Pack does just that. One license for all your devices. With ESET, it's simple to stay protected and save money. Enjoy safer technology with ESET Multi-Device Security Pack at ESET.com. That's E-S-E-T dot Do you want to be a professional coach? Are you in business trying to make a real difference with people you manage or work with? Have you started a coaching practice that isn't quite getting off the ground? Get the skills you need to be a successful coach today with the Coach's Training Program from Accomplishment Coaching. The Coach's Training Program will show you how to help others focus and be more fulfilled. Whether you want to improve your company's bottom line or create a thriving coaching practice, Accomplishment Coaching can give you the distinctions and practices you need to coach others effectively today. Accomplishment Coaching has spent six years developing a cutting-edge coaches training program that will have you ready to coach people professionally in just 12 months, and you don't have to take time off work to do it. To find out more about the Coaches Training Program, just call 1-888-548-6813. That's 1-888-548-6813. Hi, Scale listener. This is David Finkel, co-host with Jeff Hoffman of Scale Your Business. I wanted to let you know that our newest book, Scale, was just released and to encourage you to get your copy. The book will give you seven proven principles to grow your business and get your life back. Scale will help you work less by getting your business to produce more. Get your copy online or at your local bookseller. For more information, visit us online at scaleyourbusinesstoolkit.com. Cybersecurity is the fastest growing job sector. The SoCal Cyber Cup Challenge encourages kids to consider computer security as an interesting course of study and a valuable career path. Securing our eCity helps lead this youth competition to create interest and awareness among students and their schools. The SoCal Cyber Cup Challenge. Learn more at securingourecity.org or call 619-630-2444. Do you love wine, but it doesn't love you back in the morning? Then it's time to try Alcotox, the ultimate hangover cure. Alcotox is a dietary supplement that reduces the harmful side effects of alcohol and it benefits all alcohol consumers, not just those who occasionally overindulge. 
So now, for less than the cost of a drink, you can wake up hangover free. To learn more, go to vinvillage.com and let Alcotox make hangovers a thing of the past. 